The Gemara Masechta Yivamis Daf Mem Zayinam in discussing the procedure, the process of accepting a ger in Klai Yisrael, says Kibel. Once the person has accepted upon himself the mitzvahs that he's supposed to accept upon himself in order to become a ger, we immediately do a bris milah. And the Brisa continues, If strands that are essential to the kashas of the Mila remain, then we do another bris. Continues the Brisa, after he's been healed from the bris Mila, we immediately do the tefillah. So the Gemara is very clear in telling us that the proper order is to do first a first the mila and then the tefillah. And the Rishonim ask that if, as the Gemara teaches us, and as soon as this individual is prepared to become a ger, we immediately begin the process without any delay. And in fact, as we learn later in the parak, that one of the reasons the Gemara suggests that Gerim, Bizman Hazer, are, have, have it sometimes difficult is because, they, is because they delayed in becoming Jewish, which in itself is a question, as Tysus points out. If as now Gemara was saying that we're not keen on accepting Gerim, they would say that we punish them for not becoming immediately. So Tarsus shot is that the reason that we do that, the reason for that is because once they ex- decided that they should become Gerim, then immediately they should become Gerim. And they shouldn't wait any time in beginning the great Gerim's procedure. And they're delaying and not immediately beginning the Gerim's procedure, says Tysus, is the reason why they are punished. And in a little deeper way to understand this, is that there's a very beautiful word from Darizal. Darizal says that we know, the Gemara says, Rashi quotes it in Parshas Zayis HaBrochah, that when HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted to give the Torah to Klai Yisrael, he went to all the nations of the world to ask them if they are prepared to accept the Torah. Klai Yisrael said, Nasev and Nishma, and they accepted the Torah. The other nations of the world did not accept the Torah. Says the Rizal, it's difficult to assume that every Jew accepted the Torah wanted to accept the Torah, and it's equally difficult to assume that every non-Jew did not want to receive the Torah. Rather, how must we understand what happened, says the result. What must have happened, he says, is that most Jews wanted to receive the Torah, and because most Jews wanted to receive the Torah, that's why it's considered, that's why the Torah was given to Klai Yisrael. And most non-Akum did not want to receive the Torah, and since most Akum did not want to receive the Torah, that's why they did not receive the Torah. 
He says, but over the generations, those Akum who were of the mindset to accept the Torah, those Akum, says the, um, says the Arizal, will ultimately become Gerim. And vice versa, those Jews who did not want to receive the Torah will leave the fold. So he says, that's Pshat. He says, the Akum that now becomes to, comes to Megayar really should have come earlier because his Neshama was already connected to Klal Yisrael from the time of Matan Torah. And the fact that he didn't come to Klal Yisrael is why he is punished. And so too, vice versa, um, that's Pshat in the Gemara. But back to our Sugya, what we clearly see is that, there's a, that we want to complete the Gerus process as soon as possible. And if, as the Gemara says, if we're going to do the Mila first, and then the Tefillah, what's going to happen is that we're going to have to have a pause between the Mila for it to heal, and then the Tefillah. So why shouldn't we first do the Tefillah, and then the Mila? So there's so the Rajvan the Ritva answer that first the Mila has to be done because the Mila is what removes the Tumas Akram Varelus and only then can he have the Tefillah. Based on this, according to the Rajvan and the Ritva, if it would be reversed and we would have the Tefillah before the Mila, it would be in, it would not be a valid Tefillah. It would be like Toivel Vesheretz Biyodai. The Ramban disagrees. And he holds that the reason we do it in this way is simply is to determine if the Ger is really willing to undergo the entire conversion process. And obviously, the most difficult and intimidating part of that process is the brismila. Therefore, according to the Ramban, if we, if the order were reversed, it would still would be a kasher geirus. We're going to learn a Gemara later in our Masechta on Daf Ayin Ches Amen Aleph. The Gemara discusses a situation when a pregnant woman converts that the Gemara teaches us, that her tefillah is effective for the fetus that she is carrying as well. And that the halachi is, he doesn't have to have another tefillah to complete his conversion. Points out the Ramban, that we see over here, that the tefillah is preceding the mila. The, the, the tefillah is taking place while the fetus is still in the womb. And the mila is not happening until after his birth. See, says the Ramban, from here we see that the sequence of Mila and Tefillah are not essential, and we could do Tefillah, and we could do the Tefillah before the Mila. The Rajva, who as we just quoted, disagrees with Ramban, and says that the sequence of Mila and Tefillah are essential, says that when the Gemara says, Rajva's first terrace is a very big Hiddish. He says, when the Gemara says that the mother's tefillah is effective for the fetus, 
it's only referring to a fetus that's a female. That's not going to have a bris anyway. But indeed, according to the Rajba, if the mother is carrying a male fetus, the Allah is that the mother's tefillah is not effective for her child, since the mother's tefillah precedes the baby's bris milah. And according to the Rajba, the bris milah always has to take place before the tefillah. And therefore, even if in that Gemara says the Rajba, the Gemara uses Bena, the word Bena, which seems to indicate it's talking about a boy, it doesn't mean a boy, it means a girl. The Ritva and the Ra, the Namukhi quotes the Ra, take a different approach. They say that since at the time of Tefillah, the fetus is still in its mother's womb, and it can't have a bris milah, so that fetus, even though it's the fetus of a boy, is considered like a girl. And a girl, we know, her tefillah is kosher with tefillah alone. In other words, since this person, since this child is still in its mother's womb, a child in its mother's womb is considered says Sadie's Rishonim, a child in his, this mother's womb is considered like a is considered like a female. So we have to review three opinions. According to the Ramban, the sequence is never essential. And you could do tefillah and then mila, mila and then tefillah. According to the Rajva, the sequence is absolutely essential. And in fact, even by a fetus, which is a boy, the halacha would be that after the boy is born, you would have to do a bris and then a tefillah. According to Ritvan Ra'ah, this is a unique situation when the mother is immersed, is titling herself a gayris while she's pregnant. But that isn't the same, that is a very unique situation that is only in this situation and all other situations they will hold that you have to have the order that we discussed tefillah and then mila which the which opens up a number of very interesting questions which opens up a number of very interesting questions there's a tshuva in the Shalas of Tshuvas, Sri Deish, in the Shalas of Tshuvas, Sri Deish, from Chil Yaakov Weinberg Zatzal, Chelik Beis, Simon Samach Zayim, where he discusses a question that was posed to him from a Rav from Hungary, where there was an individual who wanted to be Megayan himself. And this individual who wanted to be Megayan himself um, was not a healthy individual. He suffered from diabetes. He suffered from a heart condition. And the doctor told him that he cannot have a brismila. He can't undergo a brismila. A brismila would be very dangerous for him to undergo. And, he, and the question was, can we have a brismila, can we have a gayris 
without a brismila. And he has it's a it's a fantastic chuva and the obvious halacha that comes to mind when reading when thinking about the Shiloh is the halacha of Achav Mila. The Gemara in a number of in a number of places discusses the Shiloh. If there's an individual who there's a person who had two children and those two children um had children who passed away. Two children were born. Boy, baby boys were born, and they both passed away because they could not undergo the mila. The question is, can they make a bris mila? The Gemara says you don't make a bris mila on the third child because it's obviously a sakana. So the question here is perhaps the same. The, this person, the doctor, is telling him in no uncertain terms that he shouldn't undergo a mila. And therefore, since that's the case, maybe he could become a Jew, he could convert without Mila. So, Rav Weinberg, the Swedish, of course says that that is not the, that that, that person cannot become a Gerb. And he cites a number of reasons. One point that he makes is, he makes a very important point, is that, and it's based on Chesam Seifer, in Yerodeus Simen Shin, Chuvah Chesam Seifer in Yerodeus Simen Shin. The Chesam Seifer draws a distinction between the bris mila of a person, of a person born as a Jew, and the bris mila of a person who's going to be Megayah himself. A person who's born as a Jew is a member of Klal Yisrael, He's a member of Klai Yisrael the moment he's born. The fact that every Jewish child, every Jewish male child has to have a bris milah is only, so to speak, to renew that bris, to renew that relationship that exists between us. But even if that relationship is not renewed, we still have that fundamental relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The milah of a the Mila of a Ger is not because he's renewing his relationship. The Mila of a Ger is what makes him into a Jew. And it's indeed unfortunate that if a person can't have a bris Mila, as the doctor is saying, because of his medical situation, that that's, an, uh, that's a terribly unfortunate situation, and we're going to speak about the fact that it's an oinus in a moment. But that doesn't change the reality that he's mechuyif, that he can't become a Jew without a bris, given that he wasn't born as a Jew. Even though, and we're going to read this in the Shulchan Aruch in a few moments, the Shulchan Aruch discusses Nichras Hagid, that if someone entirely doesn't have an aver on which to have a bris milah, the Shulchan Aruch says he could become a ger, says the Suri De'esh, that isn't the same. An individual who's nichras hagid, of course he's not a nekeva, of course he's not a female, but as far as hilchas bris is concerned, he is considered perhaps 
like a like a nekeva. Because what's the definition of somebody who doesn't have a gid? He's unable to have a bris milah. But anyone who has a gid, even though that gid is, unfortunately, he can't have the bris milah, that is a person who can't become a Jew, because the bris milah is an essential part. He does want to perhaps connect it to a different Shiloh. We learned in the Gemara, on Daf Memvav, that the bris and the tefillah of a ger have to be done by day. The wording of the Gemara is because it's a... The wording of the Gemara was because it's a mishpat. There's a machwaikas rishonim if the bris milah or the tefillah were done at night or it wasn't done b'fnei shloisha in front of three dayonim, as the Gemara says in a number of places, dafmem vav, dafmem zayin, that the brismil, that the geiris has to be done in, three, in front of three dayonim. Would it be valid? And perhaps the question, this is the exact question. If we say that the brismila is, is, is an act that makes him into a Jew, and there are halachas and hilchas geiris, the halachas and hilchas geiris is that it has to be by day, the Loch and Hilchus says that has to be done in front of three Dayanim. So, any other way, it's not an act of Geiris. And this is an essential element in the act of Geiris. If, however, we learn that it's not an essential element in this act of Geiris, it's like a bris, like all other brisen. So, just like by all people who are supposed to have a bris, we have a concept of Mesu Achav Machmas Mila. Here too, we would have this concept of Mesu Achav Machmas Mila. But of course, the question that also needs to be discussed is that this person is an Oynus. And we have a Klau, Bechalatayra Kula, of Oynus Rachmane Patre. And how could, why should that not be applied to the person here as well? So he makes a very important point. That even though there's a cloud throughout Shas, Oynes Rachman Patri, Oynes Kamandalai Ovid, that an Oynes cannot create that something that didn't happen as if it happened. It's only with a special Chesed Hashem that the Gemara, the Chazal teaches in the Gemara Masech the Brachis, Aleph, Chishiv Odom Lasas Mitzvah, Venanis Vloyaso, Malalava Kosov Kilosa. It's a special Chesed Hashem that Hashem does for us that a person, even though he didn't do the mitzvah because he was an Oynus, Akrashbachu in his infinite Chesed considers it as if we did the mitzvah. But that can't be the halacha everywhere else. Everywhere else where I have an obligation. If I don't fulfill that obligation, it's not considered as if I actually did it. And here too, in order to become a girl, you have to have a bris milah. And if you don't have a bris milah, you are not. Cons- if you don't have a bris milah, you're not considered a girl, even though you very much wanted to have a bris milah, even though you very much wanted to have a bris milah. And actually, I was thinking that. We finish learning the sugyish of Geirus, Daf Memvav, Daf Memzayin, 
Daf Mem Ches. And then on Daf Mem Tes, the Gemara begins the sugya of Ezo Mamzer. So I was thinking perhaps the connection between the sugya of Mamzer and the sugya of Geris is there's a tshuva, and the Shal's tshuva is Oinig Yantif, Sim Kuf Chof Aleph. What would be the halacha if the Gemara, the Mishnah, the Gemara, as we learn, teaches us what type of a relationship makes a mamzer? And what would be the halacha, says Oinig Yantif, if both the man and the woman who participated in this relationship were anusim, they were forced to have the relationship. Uh, they, they, they didn't know it was wrong, they were, thought it was mutter actually, and they, had a cho- they have a child. The question is, is that child a mamzer or not? Or an argument can be made that that child ought not to be considered a mamzer. Then we have a rule, Ernest Rahman Patre. And he says, of course the child is a mamzer. He says a mamzer is a fact. Even though there's, a, there's an onus, it doesn't change the fact that um, there, is, there is a mamza. And all the Paiskim obviously agree with this psak. What do we see here? That in certain areas of halacha, there is no excuse that it was an onus. By a mamza, there is no excuse that there was an oinus. And here there is no excuse that I'm an oinus, I can't have a brismila, and I should be able to become a ger anyway. Interestingly to note, as I said, the Sri Eish in Chelek Beis, Simon Samach Zayin and Samaches discusses the Shiloh. And at the end, of Simon Samachesh, he brings a letter that Reb Chaim Oizer wrote to him if we could accept a girl who could only have tefillah and not have mila. And he says that he's discussed this with many Rabbonim and he says that Havada the Halachi is that as terrible the situation is, one cannot become a ger without a bris milah. And he even says, which is Rav Chaim Oizer, a big chiddish, because Rav Chaim Oizer was not known to be such a kanoi, he says that he even asked one of the, he saw in a, in a sefer that was written in his time, somebody brought down the Shiloh, and somebody wanted to suggest that a bris milah need not be done on a chart, a bris milah need not be done on this this gear, and he could still be Megayer. And Chaim Oizer asked him to please remove it from the cipher. That nobody should even think that there is a shaila. That nobody should even think that there is a havamina that you can make a bris that you can make a bris milah that you can make a gairis on a person who has a gid without a bris milah. In order to avoid anybody making that mistake, he doesn't want it even to be quoted in the cipher as a half amina. So to review, we've discussed two important shilas in our shir. One shilas that we discussed in our shir was what is the halacha if the tefillah was done after the milah? And we look at the Shulchan Aruch. The Shulchan Aruch in Hilchus Geirim 
Simon Reish Samaches Sif Aleph says Gersh Nichtus Leklal Yisrael Chayiv Mila Tchilo. A ger that's becoming a member of Klal Yisrael first has to have a Mila. V'mol Kishayav Kachavim. If he had a bris Mila as an Akum, Oish Nola Mol, or he was an individual that was born as a Mol, Tzach Lahatif Men and Dambris. We have to do a toughest Dambris. But we don't make a brach on such a bris. Continues the Shulchan Aruch. Im nichras hagid. If he's an individual that Nebuch doesn't have a gid, such an individual says the Shulchan Aruch. His mila is not essential. The sagile betfila, and tefila is. And, and tefillah is adequate f- from him, for him. Continues the Ramah in, dis- um, in discussing our Shaila. Tavo Kadim Shloimol, if he first did the tefillah and then the Mila, did he ever have a tefillah? That's the opinion of the Ramban. V'yesh Oymrim, do I have a tefillah? Again, the remark quotes, as we've been learning, the opinion of the Nemuke Yosef, and the Roshach Paskins, that Lahalocha, since the remark brings down both Shittas, says the remark, says the Shach, what we should do is, we should do the tefillah, or we should do the tefillah again. That means, if the tefillah was done before the Mila, do the t- do another tefillah after the do another tefillah after the Mila. Why? Because as we began this year, the sequence of tefillah and then Mila are essential.